Hello there and welcome to episode number 516 of Smart Podcast Trashy Books. I'm Sarah Wendell. My guest this week is Dr. Perpetua Neo. Dr. P is a psychologist and the author of the new workbook, This Is What Matters. This Is What Matters is a series of questions and prompts to help people with post-traumatic growth in identifying on an individual level, well, what matters to you. If you're someone who keeps a journal, this episode will give you a lot to think about. Her workbook is part of my morning ritual now as I answer one or two questions in my journal before I go start my day. I love books that encourage people to identify their individual goals and desires. I also want to thank Maria Orlandi from Adams Media for helping me set up this interview. I also want to thank our Patreon community. Hello, folks. Thank you for supporting the show. You help me keep going every week and you make sure every episode has a transcript. If you would like to support the show, have a look at our Patreon community, patreon.com slash smartpitches. And speaking of the podcast, I have been moving the show over to a dedicated podcast host and that caused a bunch of problems with the feed. I'm so sorry. Podcast feeds are really tricky and they don't always get along with me. So if you've been having problems, I'm so sorry. I'm hoping they will all work out this week or next. But thank you for your patience and thank you for listening so very, very much. I have a special treat for you in this episode. This episode's transcript is being brought to you by the audiobook release of Foundation by Lainey Davis. Narrated by Tom Taylorson and Carly Robbins, this is, hold on to your earbuds, a grouchy geek romance. Zach Brady doesn't do relationships. He does calculations. When his family engineering firm sends him to investigate a sinkhole at a client's house, Zach feels a tremor in the foundation of his very carefully calculated world. Her name is Nicole Kennedy. She's loud and crass and has no time for nonsense. She certainly doesn't have time for a mysterious trench swallowing her yard. To make matters worse, the grouchy engineer who shows up to fix it is the same jerk she's forced to run beside during the corporate relay race her boss insisted that she run. Somewhere between jogging and poring over geotechnical engineering plans, Nicole and Zach feel the earth move. Can they overcome their past to build something more meaningful? Foundation is book one of the Brady Family series. If you like nerdy, grumpy heroes, bossy, nosy extended families, feisty heroines who take no crap, the Brady Family series is for you. One reader said, it's like this is us, but they do it. <laughs> it all starts with Foundation, now on audio. And stay tuned at the end of the podcast because I have a sample of the audiobook for you. Thank you to Lainey Davis for underwriting this week's transcript. This episode is brought to you in part by Thrive Cosmetics. If you, like me, have realized that you probably haven't worn makeup in like a year and a half to two years, it's time to freshen up your collection. Most of what I own had expired. Thankfully, I found Thrive Cosmetics to replace my essentials. I started with mascara. Always replace your mascara. The Liquid Lash Extension Mascara is fabulous. It's not clumpy, it never leaves any flakes on my eyeglasses, and it washes off so easily. But I freaking love the Liquid Balm Lip Treatment. The tube lives on my desk. The lip treatment is smooth, it's never sticky, it stays on, and it doesn't interfere with recording either. Plus, for every product purchased, Thrive Cosmetics donates to help women thrive. Their Bigger Than Beauty program has donated products and funds to over 200 nonprofit giving partners across the country, which is very cool. Now is a great time to to try Thrive Cosmetics for yourself. 
Right now, you can get 15% off your first order when you visit thrivecosmetics.com slash SPTB. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S dot com slash SPTB for 15% off your first order. This episode is brought to you by June's Journey, my favorite way to take a break from my workday, which is a lot of fun. Hello to all the members of the SBTB Romance Club inside June's Journey. Congrats on another first place finish. Go us. June's Journey is a hidden object mystery set in the Roaring Twenties. You play as June Parker, an amateur detective investigating a series of mysteries that take her and her friends around the world. You progress through the mystery by gathering clues found in scenes and you level up by building and restoring property on Orchid Island. If you like miniatures, you will love placing and upgrading tiny buildings, little trees, little flowers, and tiny animated people. It's really fun to play with. There are so many different elements, but the heart of the game is the hidden object scenes where you try to find as many objects as quickly and accurately as you can. I really like the puzzle challenges, but I love how relaxing it is. I use June's Journey as a reward throughout my day. And one of my favorite things to do is listen to a podcast while I play a few chapters and try to beat the weekly challenges. There is a detective in all of us. You can find your inner detective. Download June's Journey free today on the Apple App Store or Google Play. And if you do, have a look for the SBTB Romance Club and join us for some fun competitions. This episode is brought to you in part by Athletic Greens. If you are looking for an all-in-one supplement to start your day and you'd like one that tastes good, have a look at Athletic Greens. I started taking Athletic Greens because it's very easy. It contains everything I need and want in a supplement. It's very fast and it tastes good. First thing in the morning, one scoop, cold water, and I'm done. So easy. And my stomach never gets upset, which is a very good thing. It's lifestyle friendly, it's vegan, it's dairy free, it's gluten free, and it contains less than a gram of sugar with no GMOs. Athletic Greens has over 7,000 five-star reviews and is a climate neutral company. It's great for travel because their convenient travel packs are easy to bring along, especially if I'm changing time zones and don't know when I'm gonna be hungry. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with a convenient daily nutrition. Just one scoop and a cup of water every day, that's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-boosting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash Sarah. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash Sarah to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. This episode is brought to you in part by Pear Eyewear. I love my pair eyeglasses. I've mentioned before I have worn glasses my entire life and I didn't really like that I had to until very recently. But now my glasses are a familiar part of me and I like having more variety thanks to pair eyewear. Pair Eyewear's base frames come in a set of very classic styles. I picked the Finley in remixed blue tortoise, but the corners are magnetic so I can get custom top frames to change the color, pattern, and style of my glasses. My sunglasses frame is gold glitter with rose gold lenses, and I really love them. Base frames start at just $60, including prescription lenses. There are hundreds of top frame designs to go with whichever base frame you choose. Thanks to Pear, I have glasses that are infinitely customizable. Get started by choosing your base frame with options from the square to the cat's eye, and then pick top frames to build a collection that fits your style, however it changes. Get glasses as unique as you are. One pair, infinite style, starting at just $60. Go to pareyewear.com slash Sarah for 15% off your first purchase. That's 15% off at pairiwear.com slash Sarah. All right, are you ready to discuss what matters? 
on with my conversation with Dr. P. Hi there, everybody. My name is Perpetua. My clients call me Dr. P. You can call me P as well. So I'm a psychologist and I coach overachievers around the world to be in charge of their heads, their time and their relationships in a way that's quick and deep. So they build systems that help them help that last and help them to grow. And I rem- I imagine working with people who were probably labeled as gifted as children or have always been high achievers. That comes with a lot of internal pressure and undoing that on pressure that pressure is is really important, but I imagine it's really difficult to realize, wait a minute, my systems aren't working. Yeah, definitely. I mean, a lot of people will be thinking, I mean, we're not just talking about overachievers, right? But a lot of people will be thinking at a certain point, what got me here is not going to get me there because the cost to which I've gotten to this point is, you know, like for instance, no control of my mind. My mind's a tornado. I don't have enough sleep. I'm exhausted all the time. My life is a house of cards because if something goes wrong, everything is going to fall apart. So, you know, this is not sustainable at all. Yes. And I think especially right now, we we have internalized this message that you must grind, you must go, you must always be giving 110%. And I'm like, I don't think that's mathematically possible. <laughs> totally not. Not mathematically possible physically or you not know, laws of physics will stop. So I am so excited about your workbook and journal. This is what matters. What inspired this book and what will people find inside it? So this book really is about life. You know, life is to live is to grow and life will force you to evolve. Life has plenty of waves. Sometimes it's just placid waters. Sometimes it looks placid, but it's not really quite placid. And sometimes you've got big waves or small waves. So you got to collaborate with reality. And plenty of areas we are very good at telling ourselves it's okay. It's normal to, you know, not feel. It's normal to feel. We're great at lying to ourselves. And then, you know, we also ask ourselves, you know, are you okay? Am I, am I okay? You know, but then at a certain point, you got to ask yourself, when is it just all right to only aim to be okay? Yeah. So what also inspired this book is that, you know, like um, things happen to people, right? Things happen to me. And I'm a really stubborn person. Not in the sense that if something's really, really not working, I'm just going to, you know, like give my all and mutter myself. But rather, I'm stubborn in the fact that I like to tell people that, you know, you may kill me, but only I decide when I'm going to die forever. Yeah. So, you know, life will buffet us. We'll be thrown across a paddock here and there, but only we can decide what's going to happen next or you know in the field of psychology we call that post-traumatic growth and here i want to say that trauma isn't just necessarily something you know like um watching yourself almost lose your life or watching somebody lose their lives or you know witness something like that almost happened to them you know trauma also happens to us in what we call the small t traumas so the day-to-day stuff things that would even be technically great for us, like promotions, emigration, can also lead to traumatic symptoms. And by saying this are small t, we are not trying to denigrate that. There's no comparison. It's not like you are bigger than mine or whatever. Your reality is real for you. And so you know, when I thought about this as well, um, I also want to think about, you know, I wanted to think about how I always you know, like commit to walking my talk of what I call everyday awesome. So many of us often think about how, you know, we're going to wait till we retire, wait till the holiday to be happy and peaceful, wait till we retire to learn how to spend money. But newsflash, you're not going to suddenly become that person at all. You have to practice becoming the person you want to be. And, you know, like um, the bigger the gulf between your everyday life, you know, like the house you're living in and you're really unhappy and that imaginary one day, the more 
ill at ease and unpeaceful you're going to be. So essentially, you know, why not start building this life that you're proud of every day, cartograph the map to get you there. And this workbook will help you figure out what has happened and where you are and where you want to go. Yes. And of course, um, what is standing in the way as well. Yes. Often I am in my own way, so I'm pretty sure it's me that's in the way. I mean, just just as a random guest in any problem, I always have to ask myself, all right, am I in my own way? Probably. Now, in the introduction, you really yeah. emphasize, I love this part, you emphasize accepting what is without romanticizing the past. And I love this, and it particularly resonated because I think with COVID, there's this incredible amount of messaging that we have to go back to the way it was before COVID. We have to go back to how it was. And that erases the idea of accepting what is. Okay, but there's a global respiratory virus that we give each other by breathing, and we're not going to stop breathing. So we can't just pretend like this didn't happen. Yeah. We can't whitewash that, you know. It's yes. not like it's not like what happened is you um something happened and you're supposed to be erased from history and someone's reprinting out your yearbook from 20 years ago. No such thing. No. But the thing is that you know it's always easier to pretend something didn't happen. We lie to ourselves. It's yes. really good to you know, it's like you know, think about mantras. People tell you, stand in front of the mirror and tell yourselves, I am confident, I'm great, when you're actually a pile of nerves inside, you know, totally shattered. So, you know, like, it's really important to emphasize um, and accept what is going on for you. But many of us think that this means that we are losing our ability to make things happen, losing our sense of power. But actually, no, when we're able to acknowledge what's going on, we name it. And contrastingly, we actually feel a lot more powerful because we are containing what is going on for us because something that we pretend doesn't exist will grow into a life of its own. Like, while it's not nice to say that, hey, you know what, like, I'm feeling not comfortable now. Hey, you know what, I'm feeling a bit anxious now. It makes us feel weak. But actually, just the act of naming it can actually help you a lot if you decide what you would like that to do for you. Yeah. I once read that if you keep pushing your anxieties away, they go in the other room and they do push-ups and they lift weights and then they come back. And I was like, you know what? That is absolutely true. If I try to push away my anxiety, it comes back and I'm like, well, now I'm really beefy and I'm really big and I'm hard to ignore. Let's go. Don't feed them steroids. Exactly. And in the introduction, you talk about how what you want to do is help people build habits and form a life that identifies what each individual person wants for themselves. Now, and I realize this might seem like a a very obtuse question, and I don't mean it to be, but why is that so hard? Is is my, my theory is that because I personally love my own human autopilot, and when my autopilot is is disrupted, I get really mad about it, like I get really angry. And I think for me, that's one of the reasons why I struggle. But I'm curious, why is it so difficult for us to be like, okay, what kind of life do I want? And then think of the things that we want. Well, kind of think about it like driving a manual car, right? It's not easy. No. If you're autopilot or, you know, you have a car that parks by itself. Oh, God, it's easy. But then if anything happens in an emergency, I'm not going to know what's going to happen. So I'm not saying go be an expert in every single area of your life, but at least have a little understanding. So, you know, you are not completely clueless. And because this is you, this is your life, this is your mind, this is your body that houses you. 
Um, so that's it's really important to have some understanding. But of course, you know, what somebody prescribes to you is really easy. It's easy to just follow. And also, it's very easy to outsource our authority because that's what happens as kids, right? I mean, like, rightly so, because that's how we learn, we grow. And if we're given the right instructions that are helpful for us to grow, great. But sometimes we are not. And of course, you know, like the darker side of this is that when we outsource our authority and listen to somebody else's prescriptions, it's very easy to say, hey, I followed you and it went wrong. So it's not my fault. So there's a certain kind of safety. It's a comfort, but it's a comfortable kind of quicksand that sucks you all the way in. So basically what happens is over time, we are just not used to trusting our wisdom. If anything, we react, for instance, when anxiety builds all the way up into a sense of panic, and then we say, oh, I cannot trust my feelings, but actually it's not your feelings you cannot trust, it's the way you burst out that you cannot trust. So it's about what you want to front load in your life. And I understand how tiring it can be. So you have to look at the long term. What is the future you're building? Who is the person you're becoming? Yeah. And what are the choices that you're making now and how are they going to affect the, the life that you want to have now or in the future? One of the things I love about this book mm-hmm. is the fact that you, you emphasize the, the big three, time, mind, and sleep. Mm-hmm. I love sleep. I love sleep so much. Sleep is a big thing. How can oh. this book help people master the, the big three, the time, the mind, and the sleep? So the first thing with time, I mean, let's look at what's not really going right with our time for most of us. We are frazzled. We run from one thing to another thing. We're overbooked. You know, we think that the more meetings and interactions mean we are busy. And, you know, it's like taking some kind of invisible box that may not even really count. And so people always say, I don't have time. I wish I had the time. Those are really big keywords. And when you actually start to think about how you want to wisely spend your time and build those boundaries and containers around it, And even learn that actually it's great to have free time because there's a lot of good things that can happen out of it. You know, part of it can be spent nurturing yourself. Part of it can just be spent sleeping and growing. You know, most of us are actually scared of having free time because what on earth are we going to do with that? But if you have a plan around that and you're able to regulate the next part, your mind around that, you know, around sometimes when you get boredom, when you're questioning yourself, is this right at a time? Do I deserve this time? And when you are in control of your mind during all this moments of doubt or you know, extended periods of doubt. Um, when you're able to control your mind during the frazzled times of overwhelm and nerves and anxiety when life always happens, or when you're able to control your mind when you're happy, because some of us, when we get happy or when good things happen, we sabotage ourselves. Yes. So when you do that, then you are able to, again, you know, write the waves of life, you know, so like whether it's a good time, a neutral time or a not so good time, you're able to make this time work for you. Yeah. And of course, sleep. You know, everybody's brain needs sleep. Sleep is like this ultimate amazing thing that clears away the crap and chunk in your brain and your body every night when you sleep. The memories that you don't need, it just says bye. It's like a curator. So instead of having like a hoard of hellhole, you have this beautiful gallery in your mind. Yep. So this is so, so, so important. And you know, in this book, I also talk about why it's really important to be able to plan your time and your mind well so that you can actually have time to sleep peacefully or like what I call sleep like a cat. Because you know what? Like I see cats sleep 18 hours a day or at least that's what the science science says. And I think it's amazing. Then recently, I learned that lions sleep 20 hours a day. So I say now that I've given up on cats as my idols. My new idols are lions. (laughs) I aspire. (laughs) 
I love your workbook, the way that it divides up into sections, but I have to ask a question. Maybe, maybe you can help me answer this. Why is it that when I yeah. encounter a question like, what makes you feel joyful or delighted? My mind goes entirely blank. Is that a normal thing? Is it, is it, is it not a normal question to, that your brain encounters? I love that, Sarah, because um, for me as well, totally true to that. When I was, you know, in the past, I would also say, what on earth are you talking about? You know, am I allowed to even feel joyful or delighted? Um, because that's, again, you know, back to prescriptions. There are a lot of prescriptions on how we should be happy. You know, think about even self-care. You know, everybody says, I need to do my self-care today. And fine, you know, if your self-care happens to coincide as an, you know, if unicorn lattes and bubble pops really do make you happy, they do make me happy. Okay, then great, do that. But you know, there's a lot of things that we are just, we just think that we got to do it because something says it's good for us. Or we think that it's got to do with spending. And sometimes for some of us, we're thinking, oh my God, one more expenditure? You sure I can't afford that? When it comes to something like, what makes you joyful or delighted? Think about the last time your heart sang. Okay, and it doesn't necessarily have to do with spending any money or intentionally being busy or productive or learning. It could be the last time you connected really well with somebody you love. Or even like when your, your stranger complimented you or when you complimented a stranger and they give you this big smile. Okay, um, something like, you know, going out and suddenly you're surprised by a beautiful sunset. Or when you saw this cute dog at a park. <laughs> you know, little things like that. Or when you see your cat sleeping really contentedly. You know, these are little things that give you that sense of either peace or expansion in you. So you're either grounded or you feel connected to something bigger than yourself, yeah. other than self. And actually... That is all that you need. Sometimes all we need is to just, you know, let ourselves be present to that and open to that. That makes a lot of sense. So please tell me about the cognitive Photoshop filter and how we use them in our lives. This is such a great framing device. I love this. So, you know, like, um, obviously now, you know, we have a lot of things like Snapseed and Instagram filters and yes. what else, right? So, but, you know, back in the day, all you had was Photoshop and you still do have Photoshop. So this was what inspired my, um, this term connected to Photoshop, which I think I came out with in 2017 or 2016 when I first wow. wrote about it. And so I thought, you know what, who are the best Photoshoppers in the world? It isn't your geniuses in Vogue or Harper's Bazaar or Victoria's Secret. It's actually every single one of us because we love to lie to ourselves and you know this isn't even about us being you know deliberately obtuse or or, or you know or mean or horrible it's just an autopilot response where it helps us to cope with the onslaught of stimulus in our daily lives a photoshop filter could be something like um hurt people hurt people so you know, this is a great one that a lot of us use when we want to justify somebody else's bad behavior and why we need to go back for more. Another one would be, it happened so long ago. So just suck it up, put up your socks and forget about it. Yeah. But the thing is, that I call it time travel, but the thing is that trauma doesn't just, you know, it's not just logical. Otherwise we could all talk it away. We could mantra it away in front of the mirror. Okay, trauma actually stays in your body. It's um, basically how your body keeps living it over and over again. And every time you live it, you're paying a certain kind of compound interest that works against you. Because, you know, like if I'm carrying a bag of stones for five minutes, yeah, it kind of sucks. But if I'm carrying it for five years or 50 years, 
that's going to really, really, really suck without putting it down at all. Essentially, these are the Photoshop filters that we tend to use or we compare our problems. So, you know, one another one would be um, that a lot of my clients have. So a lot of my clients, some of them, yes, they're born privileged. Others actually will build their own privilege. So they work really, really hard. And this is not you know, about us having to disentangle or, you know, throw away all the things or all the advantages that we've had because most of us, we do have some advantages, right? Or, um, but, you know, the things that a lot of them, they get a bit ashamed about what's going on in their lives. So they'll be like, um, you know, I'm in a very good position, but I am caged in this position and I'm not supposed to complain. And, you know, like, I understand as of what we're talking about to different extents, right? And so, you know, it's just because you've got a first world problem that isn't as bad as somebody else in another country far, far away who is having real, um, maybe like physical challenges because of their socioeconomic situation doesn't take away your suffering. You yeah. could have trauma, chronic pain in a first world country with a lot of privilege and finances, but your pain is still real. Yeah. And so by using these cognitive Photoshop filters, we're either demeaning our own trauma or trying to minimize it or trying to guilt or pressure ourselves into feeling a different way rather than yeah. dealing with the immediate problem that is a real problem, no matter how it looks when you compare it to something else. Totally. Wow. One of my favorite sections of this book is mm -hmm. the part where you talk about naming your craft and you write, mm -hmm. you have only about four hours of peak productive time every day if you have optimum energy levels. And I... I don't know if I can tell you how much I needed to read that, but I really needed to read that. So thank you for that. That really <laughs> that really reminded me like, oh, yes, I'm not a machine. I have to remind myself. I love the question, what chews my energy? That is another good framing device. What eats away at my energy when I'm working? So can you yeah. tell me more about your the four hours of peak productive time? Okay, so, you know, um, to contextualize it in a perfect world, many of us will think that, okay, I can finish this task, I can write this, or, you know, I can craft this email, da 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 da, da in this amount of time. Yeah, in a perfect world, when you've got great energy and when you are a cyborg. <laughs> 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 but we're not cyborgs. We're no. not on Star Trek. We're not data on Star Trek. And sometimes I wish I was, you know, but life would be so much easier to get everything done. But the thing is that, you know, like things happen. You know, in the background, for instance, we got COVID. Seems yeah. like, okay, but maybe we're just desensitized. We're just tired, right? Um, and then, you know, there are demands on your daily life. For instance, like you said, you have a son, right? So you've got kids, you've got a cat. That also takes your energy, even if that also gives you energy. So a lot of us forget about that. So we think that in a perfect world, just because we are, say, you know, at work from nine to five or eight to eight, that whole chunk of time minus the lunch break or the tea break has to be 150% not just 100%. So we have a lot of unrealistic expectations on ourselves. and But actually, the human brain is not wired that way. Understanding this from a neuroscience perspective helps us to forgive ourselves. And then, you know, if I only have this four hours, then I am going to basically optimize it. Because, you know, like, you think about your toothpaste, right? Initially, when you got a lot of toothpaste, you just use it willy-nilly. But when you've got so little left, you're going to make that last bit stretch like crazy. I think that's the Pareto's principle in economics. So you think about it that way, when you have four hours, how are you going to stretch that time? So that becomes super precious. And so you're going to guard it like your firstborn. You know, ideally, you should be able to identify the four hours in a day 
then maybe there are two chunks or maybe there's just one big chunk when you are the most energized and this is a time when you should not be distracted or you know like just always task switching and multitasking you know and you know answering a zillion emails this is time for instance if your job is strategizing or doing something creative or you know just pretty really important stuff whatever it is you know or no respect your job whatever it is okay um you know whether it's a career job or your family job or your personal personal thing okay and devote that time to that so you know like the world is not going to end if you don't answer all your emails during that time you focus on that and that will pay you a lot more dividends than if you were just scattered so understanding that helps us to organize our day a lot uh, more wisely and then you know um if you know you have four hours a day and you're planned it well you have maximized that with tiny breaks in between as well now what happens is the rest of your day is reward <laughs> if yeah. you finish your task you get you get it free you know nobody asks you to raise your hand and take on the task of five thousand more people okay oh you can use it the other time when you have less energy to do the easier things you know like admin um or you know or just rest or just have a bit of fun because if you can recharge yourself fill out your batteries then the next time when you're doing work again whatever it is you go in filled up you go in rejuvenated and i think that's a win-win and it's it's really nice to be reminded no, you're not a cyborg. No, you're not a machine. And even if our work out work day is eight or nine or ten hours, that's not a nonstop peak performance expectation, and and that's yes. not sustainable. I like how you frame it as pressing play and pressing pause, and yeah. that the pause is also important too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, actually, pauses are productive if you think about it. Like as you know, like if you want to think about logically, because a lot of us we are trying to be pragmatic. So if your pause or your sleep or your nap pragmatically gives your brain a lot more juice, makes you a lot more creative, makes you wiser, is spending that three seconds to reset your brain helps you to make wiser decisions so you don't have new messes to clean up, then actually you're spending time to buy exponentially more time and sanity. So amazing thing. I have often asked myself and then asked my children to think about like, wait, what is what are the things that I do? that make me feel as if I have just plugged myself into a recharger, like I plug my phone in to recharge, what are the tasks or the activities or the complete lack of activities that I do that make me feel like I'm plugging myself into a charger? Yeah. And it's different for everybody, right? Yeah. And, you know, this is not about, you know, again, you know, self-care stuff. Like, yes, you know, like it's really important that these days we understand or we we are a lot more aware about saying the word self-care. But self-care isn't just about, Oh, you know, this unicorn latte, whenever we think we are tired, self-care is really about the unsexiest things that are the foundation of your life, the ritual and the routine. Self-care is making sure that your finances are in good shape so they're sustainable, okay? Self-care is making sure that your brain is in good shape to make wise decisions yeah. so that you can actually enjoy yourself. Yeah. And so, you know, like, you know, being able to recharge yourself, you know, I think that's also, I've got the three L's as one of my exercises in a book, you know, like everybody is different. So, you know, like it's about helping people to explore what rejuvenates, recharges and replenishes them. Yes, absolutely. I always think of myself as past Sarah and present Sarah have to work together for future Sarah. Totally. I love that. So, you know, like you're looking way beyond just the present moment, which it's so important and it's something that a lot of people don't do. Yes. And I mean, we're, 
it can be very easy to be overwhelmed by all of the things that are in front of us right now. I, I get that. But I absolutely love it when I arrive at, at, a, at, a, at a situation and I'm like, wow, past Sarah is the best. She handled this. And I don't even remember yeah. doing it. But I, I love being able to think of myself as past, present, and future because I'm still all three of those people. Yeah. And I have, like you said, I have a, an idea of what I'd like future Sarah's life to be like. So I do little things to make that happen now. Yeah. So important, you know, like in a lot of my workshops that I run or with my clients, you know, one thing I'll be like, okay, let's have a word to anchor you. Okay. So in every action that you do, all you have to ask yourself is, is this bringing me closer to what's this, this self? Or is this taking me further away from being this self? And that will guide your decision really simply. And it's it's really a difficult thing, isn't it, to accept what is and accept the ways that you're in your own way and get out of your own way, but then also yeah. recognize, oh, I have been told or taught that this is what I should want, but I don't want mm -hmm. that. And I don't know yeah. what I do want. Even just thinking to question what you've been told you ought to be is a very scary prospect. I imagine with client work, it comes down to the, oh, I can't do that. And then working up to the, oh, wait, yes, I can. Yeah, of course, you know, like being, you know, like not having someone prescribe something to you yeah. is very scary. So, you know, like a lot of times when I say, okay, only you know this, like even how to recharge yourself. No, tell me how. Nope, only you know. I can sit down here and guide you. So you always the answers. You know, I'm not going to be here with you forever. <laughs> yeah. Stop. I don't want you to be dependent on me forever. Yeah. So, you know, let's help you guide yourself, be this mentor, be this champion your younger self never had. And when, when you think about it that way, then, you know, like a lot of people start to calm down and ground themselves. And they start realizing that this unknown isn't so scary after all. If you're just, you know, asking yourself, like how to make little steps, let's build your foundations. Yeah. You know? Because a lot of them, a lot of people, you know, like who come to me, they've got most of their life in check. In tech, a lot of things are going really, really well. It's actually the simplest things like, you know, like sleep, like um, taking care of their brains that they are not sure about yeah. or how to interact from people and all like things like imposter syndrome that they're not sure about. And so, you know, like it's basically helping them to recalibrate and find a happy, the happy rhythm. How are they going to recalibrate that rhythm yeah. again so that it will serve them? So I always ask this question, what books are you reading that you would like to tell people about? So um, this book I'm really loving right now is Arthur Brooks' From Strength to Strength. So it's a book on how to find fulfillment and, and, and basically um, growth past your midlife. And I really love it because um, it teaches us a lot about, you know, like what I just said, you know, like instead of just adding and hoarding, what can we let go of? So he likens that to as you grow older, you have to be like a sculptor you learn to chip away and it's this you know um analogy that i tell my clients you know we we are all full of prescriptions for other people we are yeah. like this bubble that's been totally tarred and even corroded on the outside but if you think of what michelangelo said the sculpture is already in the marble yeah i just had to free it so let's help you find who you are you know who you are really is the you've always had answers like how to recharge how to take care of your brain the things that make your heart sink and let's help you live with that and build that life that you want with leveraging on what you already have. Absolutely. And, and it's so, I love the idea that as you are a sculpture, you're, you're shedding things. Because I notice, for example, as I age, I look back on things that I cared so much about and I'm like, wow, I could not care less about that now.
I just let yeah. it go. I, I Somebody <laughs> asked me, like, what do you like about aging? And I said, I like that there are things that I used to stress about that I put down and I never pick them back up. Yeah. So important. Can you give us one example of that? Oh, my gosh. The older I get, the less I care about people's negative opinions about what I do because my life is not their life and they don't live in my life and I don't have to care. Like, I finally understood the idea that other people's opinions of me are not my business. So, so important for people to hear this, you know, like the more people can actually talk about this and the more others can hear about this, the more we realize that we have permission not to listen. Yeah. And giving yourself permission is so scary. Oh, yeah, totally. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Where can people find you if they are looking for you? So they can find me on my website, perpetuaneo.com. They can also find me on my Mind Body Green column. Um, I can send you that link. And of course, they can find me on my book, This Is What Net Is. Yes, I will link to all of this in my show notes. Dr. P, yeah. thank you so much for your time today. I really, really appreciate it. And I've had such a good time talking to you. And most of all, thank you for this journal. I, I'm actually really excited to send it to people who I think will really value it. I'm so glad. Thank you so much, Sarah, for having me here and for those amazing questions. And that brings us to the end of this week's episode. Thank you to Dr. P for connecting with me over many, many time zones. Thank you to Maria Orlandi from Adams Media for helping me set this interview up. And thank you, of course, for tuning in to listen. I, like I said, love books that encourage you to think about what matters to you. So if you have a favorite journal or journal prompt, I would really love to hear about it. You can email me at sbjpodcast at gmail.com or you can leave me a message at 201-371-3272. You can also tell me a joke because you know I love those. But I love hearing from you. And if you enjoyed this interview, I would love to know what you thought. Before I get to the terrible joke and I have a whole page of them, you can hear the sound effects. I have a whole page. Uh, I want to remind you that I have a sample of the audiobook of Foundation by Lainey Davis coming up after the end of this part, which is actually called the outro. And yes, that is a word. We have been cleaning out one of my teenager's rooms and I found an entire page sound effects of jokes from I think he was five. So uh, get ready. These are high quality. Are you ready for our joke of the week? Why did the golfer wear two pair of pants? Why did the golfer wear two pair of pants? In case he got a hole in one. (laughs) These are so cheesy. I love them so much. I can't believe I kept a page of jokes. It's like past Sarah knew that future Sarah would need ridiculous jokes. On behalf of everyone here, we wish you the very best of reading. Thank you so much for listening and keeping me company each week. I'm honored to be in your eardrums. Smart Podcast Trashy Books is part of the Frolic Podcast Network. You can find more outstanding podcasts to subscribe to at frolic.media slash podcasts. Isaac sees where my eyes land and he raises a brow at me. Want to stop to hydrate? Holy shit, yes, I say. I grab his arm and run faster until I'm tugging open the door to the bar. I'm not even out of breath. The hostess looks at us and makes a face, and only then do I remember that we're wearing running clothes, and frankly, Isaac smells like his were worn already. He doesn't seem phased that we're in a trendy place, looking like we just finished jazzercise. We're just here for drinks, he says, placing his hand on my back and guiding me over toward the bar. I stare at his arm, stunned by how good it feels on my back. I don't typically go out with men who take charge like this. 
I definitely don't go out with guys who wear workout gear to a trendy bar. Not that I'm out with Isaac. We just happen to be getting a drink after a training run for some corporate nonsense our bosses are forcing us into. There's only one stool open at the bar, and Isaac gestures toward it. What, I say, you think I'm so feeble after the run that I need to sit? Like I'm going to collapse? Maybe you need to sit so you don't pass out from the stink fumes from those skanky running clothes. Fair enough, he says, giving his shirt a sniff and smiling. I did already run this morning. Don't mind if I do sit. He makes a big show of sinking into the stool and stretching out his long legs. He puts his arms up on the bar, grinning. Maybe you can give me laundry advice. That setup you've got on the first floor is pretty sweet. I lean against the bar next to him, regretting giving up the stool. My lower back starts to hurt as my heart rate slows down. I shiver, realizing I worked up a sweat getting here, and it must be evaporating and making me cold. Oh God, do I stink as much as Isaac? I try to catch a whiff of myself, and the smug fucker catches me. He leans toward me, smiling, and takes an exaggerated sniff. Don't worry, he says. You don't smell any worse than me.